Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646 716 Four nine seven two. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome everybody. Good to have you with us. It's Martin Luther King Day, Monday, January seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. So good to have you here. I want to honor Martin Luther King and what he did in the civil rights movement. He did his best to right so many wrongs, and we sometimes look over the over the headlines and go like, "Gee, did we accomplish that?" And um, it's, a, it's something that every generation has to step up and uh, do. So for those that are continuing the cause, Martin Luther King Day, it's a good day to remind ourselves, what can we do to honor, the, honor him and all that he did? His I Have a Dream speech is one of the most studied, amazing speeches. And one of the things that I enjoyed, if there's a, one of the guys that I pay attention to, an author and speaker, is uh, Simon Sinek. And he talked about, this speech and he he didn't say i have a plan he didn't talk about other ways you could friend it up he said i have a dream and i think that's so important in our each of our lives when we're looking at us what is our dreams if you don't have a dream i would suggest you're not living to your fullest you got to have a dream i have a dream had a dream when i had a, when i started this podcast i granted it's not as noble as martin luther king i had a dream but I had a dream that we could provide an audio format where we can bring mortgage bankers information because in, in a listening mode, listening-only mode. That's what really I learn best when I'm listening. That's why we created this podcast. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we're grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. Does it sound like I've said that a few times? <laughs> I try to make it sound fresh and new every time I talk about it. But anyway, it is true. Our commitment is to bring you timely information. And we've got some timely information uh, throughout the podcast. And um, can't wait to get into all of it. we got on our Hot Topic special guest is Whitney Nelson. She is the founder and CEO of Brilliant People. I like being around brilliant people. That's why I have Alice and Jack and Alan and and, and, uh, Matt and everyone else on the podcast. I love being around brilliant people. people. And uh, I love that the name of her company. And on this program, we're going to be discussing the root cause of people problems. We have people problems? Yeah, I tell you, it's the number one reoccurring thing that we all got to deal with. And it is one of the most complex aspects of every organization. So we're going to be talking about that. And uh, talking about connection and community in the workplace and how important uh, we achieve it and how important it is and what are some tools and tips. So it's one of my favorite topics. I love looking at personality apps. I'm looking at different communication styles, learning styles, love languages, also known as the five languages, appreciation in the workplace. I love all of that. Today we're focusing on the uh, aspects of people problems. Getting introduced, and I'm really looking forward to that. Time to give a special thank you to our sponsors and partners. We're partnered with IndustrySyndicate.com. Love what they do. Check out all the podcasts at IndustrySyndicate.com. They do a good job promoting out podcasts. Also, check out Josh, uh, um, uh, Josh Pitts. 
over there with uh, what he does. I love Josh, and we're going to be doing some things together. We keep talking about it, but we're just so busy. Anyway, special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. We also uh, have FusionBot, Finastra's FusionBot Solutions product, experiencing the power of fully integrated solution. And I like this part, in an open architecture. Check out what Karen Jenkins talked about in her October 4th interview with us. It's really interesting. I think the closed technology, closed architecture is not a good thing. Uh, They have made a conscious decision. Maybe that's what's promoted them or made them become the number one fintech company in the world. Seriously, that's what they are. They're number one fintech solution company in the world. And they have many solutions across banking platforms, many aspects of it. One of them is their mortgage bot solutions. So check them out. Go check out the interview with Karen Jenkins. It'll help you guide your uh, what you're going to be doing in that. Alan appreciates that. I see he just dialed in. Good to have you joining us, Alan. Also, Lenders One, as well as Mortgage Collaborative, both of these are co-ops. What do I mean by co-op? It's where we get together into smaller groups and connect with our peers. So important as we're looking at our organizations. How are you talking to others about what you're going through? It is so meaningful to have a membership in both of these organizations. Now, it does not replace the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Don't replace that. But what it does do is it brings you together in a smaller, more intimate way, which you communicate and connect with others, other lenders, and, of course, vendors. Also, Incelerate, Josh Friend does a great job over, over at Incelerate, helps lenders close more loans by generating better, uh, engaging better with borrowers, prospects, and past customers. Check it out. We also had Josh on in June 1st, excuse me, 21st, 2021. Still a great podcast. Go listen to that. Then I would like to say uh, check out KnowledgeCoop. It's a great learning management system. Ken Perry does a great job of that product. And also Mobility, MMI, and Modex are both sponsors. Grateful for our partnership with them. Also SnapDocs. They have an eVault solution that will make it so simple to get started with eNotes. And it's so easy to transact across many partners. And that in doing so, it will make the loans close more quickly. And uh, as we deal more and more with all the various phases and variations and mutations of COVID. I tell you, E, everything. Mortgage is so important. Then also we have Success Kit. I'm loving what Julian Lumpkin is doing. Check out the podcast that we did last week with Julian Lumpkin. Uh, so January 10th, check it out. And uh, what they, you can do to have your customer testimonies shared on your podcast or just in your emails. I, I'm, we're working with him so closely and wow. So powerful. Also, Lenders Toolkit. Brent Emler is a part. We're so pleased to have Brent and the folks that and Brent and Brett at Lenders Toolkit as a partner. Also, a final thank you to goes out to Rob, Les, Alice, Allen, Matt, and Jack for their contributions to this podcast. I'm chuckling. I'm thinking, God, they all make me look so much. Brilliant people. That's what we're going to talk about later on the Hot Topic segment. But I'm surrounded with brilliant people. So good. Anyway, let's get over to Rob Van Raphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? This is Rob Van Raphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, Acting FHFA Director Sandra Thompson appeared before the Senate Banking Committee in consideration of her appointment to a full 
five-year term. Thompson testified that the end state of the GSEs is something that Congress would have to legislate. She also said her focus will be on the safety and soundness mission Congress gave to FHFA, along with ensuring that the GSEs are providing liquidity across the nation and especially supporting underserved markets. MBA supports Thompson's nomination to be FHFA director. The Senate Banking Committee must vote on her nomination before a vote by the full Senate can occur. And before I go, I want to remind you about MBA's Servicing Solutions Conference happening February 21st through the 24th in Orlando, Florida. To register, go to mba.org slash conferences. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you getting that recording off to us and uh, sharing that with us. Uh, good stuff. Yes, uh, Sandra Thompson, I really am impressed with her. I listened to her speak in uh, San Diego at the annual conference. Very, very impressive. Uh, so hopefully we'll see that confirmation happen. By the way, if you want to stay up on what's going on with the NBA, get, download the Mortgage Action Alliance app. It's really effective at helping you hear what's going on, what they're lobbying for within the uh, within D.C. and within the Beltway, and uh, give you updates. So, and you can actually have your voice heard as a result of that. So, sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance app in the App Store, as and then also known as MAW, M-A-A, the MAW app. So, get it, download it. Let's get over to Les Parker with the TM Spotlight and this week's view of the mac- a macro view of the markets. Les. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. A whole new world, a new fair market point of view. No one to tell the bears no or where to go or say they're only dreaming. The bulk of inflation pressure comes from the delays in importing, producing, and manufacturing goods compounded by labor constraints. When the costs of services accelerate, that will eliminate the hope for a rapid decline in inflation. Now what? A generation that seldom saw half-point moves in price must face constant underwater locks and regular moves outside a half-point. Expect a volatile ride to the new world. Let me share... This whole bear world with you. These views are my own. See a new world at tmspotlight.com. Yes, be sure to sign up for that newsletter. Check it out. You can put in, again, the code words uh, or the word power, and there's the code, to get a free subscription to the paid version. That's that's a great job on that. Gary Kentrabone and he team up each week. I love that. That was actually a good song and a good way to get into the markets today. Matt Graham is taking the day off because it is what? It's Martin Luther King Day again. Woohoo! Way to go, Matt. Some companies are closed, um, but Matt is not. So Matt is not here with us because the markets are closed. Wish you, Matt, well, and have a great day. Look forward to having you back. I love the service, by the way, uh, what mbslive.net provides you. You can sign up for it for an extended period, trial period. And do so by going to the website, mbslive.net, and go to the sign-up code. Or when you go to the sign-up page, put in the code, uh, LOL, and can you get an extended period without a credit card required. That's always nice. Alice Alvey is here, and she's here on her day off. I mean, the Union Home is celebrating their day off. Alice is CMB Vice President of Education and Training. 
Lots of training, lots and lots of training, and a lot of education these days at Union Home Mortgage. And uh, she's got the legislative update and so a lot of things to talk about. Alice, so good to have you here. Thanks for dialing Thanks, in. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. Yes, and uh, we just got a foot of snow last night. So, oh. you know, even though I had the day off, I thought, oh, well, there's not much to do except break out the shovel. <laughs> so we are part <laughs> we are on that that's outer true. edge of that uh, storm <laughs> Izzy that's been hitting the oh, East cool. Coast. So I know yeah. a lot of you, a lot of us have felt the pain of this uh, weather front from snow and lots of rain and ice. So it's a crazy weather pattern. That is, uh, yeah, that's Andy's job to go break out the shovel. You don't do that stuff. <laughs> He's such a macho man. Well, sometimes it's fun to just get outside and it shovel is. a little, but. <laughs> just <laughs> anyway, a little. I know those of you down south are going, what is she, nuts? Okay. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, anyway, uh, two things I wanted to touch on today. Um, first of all, I guess we can start with, uh, I'd, I'd like to start with Martin Luther King Day. Uh, I uh, like to call it, it's a day on, not a day off. Uh, So even though Ah. the markets are closed, there are a lot of events out there. I was just checking around, you know, I know a lot of events are are closed because of the COVID, uh, but there's still a lot of virtual things going on. Um, And so that means that even if something is going on in the city of Detroit, they have a whole list of events going on that are going to be virtual um, and great speakers and and check the calendar. Uh, I think with kids, if you have kids at home, you're making sure that they get a chance to pay attention to how important today is and how diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging are so important and what those things mean. And uh, we can help this next next generation uh, be uh, be really good at those things. So check mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. There's lots of stuff online to find a simple event. Um, if your event's been postponed, then, you know, then we postpone it. And like, I know one of the concerts is postponed until June. Well, we'll celebrate then also. So, uh, yes. But I like that phrase. It's a day on, to be on with the mission of, you know, really a day that, as Bill calls it, he says this day embodies the American spirit. And yes. so that's how, how he inspired us to be on instead of off today. That's very good. That's Bill Calgro, the Bill that is the uh, founder of? Union Home. That's good. Union I home like home. that. Yeah. All right. So uh, th- then the second thing was making sure we touched on the Supreme Court uh, striking down the mandate for companies with 100 uh, people or more. Uh, not so for the hospital and medical community, but for us as mortgage bankers, uh, we're, we're back to letting our, well, some of the states are driving that, but for the rest yeah. of us, it's what our CEOs feel is best to keep everybody safe. So, Dave, yeah. uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I think it's uh, it's really interesting how many people have already made the transition to a virtual uh, work work staff. I mean, sending most of your people out. I mean, except for the essentials like the shipping department. There's some aspects of the company you got to have everyone still there. But right. I think more and more it's just getting. As I'm talking to more and more clients, it's like, yeah, well, we weren't sure how they're going to rule. So, knowing that uh, virtual staff are not subject to that regulation if that were to in fact be the case um thankfully it's not but they so they went that virtual world but i'm of the opinion that uh it is it it is something we just got to get used to that's what's come out of COVID. everybody alice how much of your company in in the normal times when we're getting back to normal if, if there is something normal anymore what what are you hearing as far as or what are you seeing for your company as far as the number of people that are working home any percentages 
yes. So right now we are um, almost 100% remote except for those types of uh, job roles that do need to be in the office, as you said, you know, funding certain aspects of finance and accounting and post-closing. But at the same time, it's it's up to the partner. You know, it's not uh, – there are some positions that are on site, and so most partners have said let's let's work from home. We've gotten very good at it. Our training was already set virtually because we're a national okay. company. We were already accommodating everything remote, So, and we were all already on laptops. So for us to go remote was very straightforward. We have, though, now that it's gone on so long, you know, we started last year actually with a lot of training on leadership. You know, it's a whole different ballgame managing remote. And I will say that the, this generation coming out of college right now, the Gen Zers, they want remote. They want blended mm-hmm. learning. And you're not going to fight it. And if you think you're going to get everybody in the mm-hmm. office after all this, it's not happening. That generation yeah, is forcing so that change. <laughs> yep. So we are going to be uh, doing a lot more blended and remote working permanently going forward. Yep. I think that is the standard by which we'll be operating. Absolutely. And uh, it's it, 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 which is requiring some adjustments, but I think it's really healthy. I would say it's healthier. I mean, in certain aspects. But then, how do you rotate people in? Some companies are bringing people in with some on a rotating basis, where they bring them in. So there's there's still a sense of community. I love what something was said at the annual conference uh, by Malcolm Gladwell. He said one of the casualties of of, of the re- work remote is the lack of ability to pick up subliminally by observe by observation what is a, a, a top person in, in the that's performing really well he talked about bob woodward right. bob woodard he watched bob woodard speak and work i mean work at his desk they all work in the the sea of cubes so what so many of the journalists and you put a junior next to a guy like bob woodard he happened to be one of the junior guys at back in his earliest days and watch Bob Wooden, and he says that guy outworked everybody. There was no wonder why he was so successful. And I think that's one of the casualties. And I think that comes back to you, Alice, is, is how, how are you guys addressing that, mentoring that, that success by observation? Uh, it is a very big uh, gap that we we recognize right away, um, and so we have various ways of doing that. We have several mentoring programs. We actually have a a customized mentor program for individuals who are new to the workforce. It's their first job, for example, uh, in an office, quote, office, right? (laughs) You're working in your office from home. So we do set up mentoring uh, for them so that they can start to learn those things. Um, We have expanded shadowing so that people can learn those things. And then we have different community groups to be able to expand the specific skill sets that we know People will now need to, will have to be very deliberate in offering those opportunities instead of exactly as you said, it won't just happen naturally by them observing what's going on around them. It is something you have to address as a company, very, uh, very forward thinking to, to solve. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that got to be giving a lot of consideration. I, I, I have a, I'm privileged. I want to spend just a moment on the, on the working remote part, Alice. Um, I have the privilege of coaching so many outstanding executives. One of the things I do more of now these days than anything else. And one of the coach, one of the people I'm having the honor to coach, and it's me that at the deepest sense of the word is Chris Ringrose of Summit Funding out in Sacramento. She says, our policy is the employee has to meet certain perfection per- performance standards in order to do that in order for them 
and here's the key word, and their supervisor to work remote if there's a failure of the and performance. And there's a tolerance, and there's, a, there's not a gotcha scheme here, but there's a, there, what it is, they're focusing on the importance of at, at Summit, they're focusing, Chris and her team, they're focusing on a performance. And if there's a failure in the performance, not only does the employee have to go back to the office, but the supervisor does too. So doesn't that really motivate a supervisor to make sure that this is working so they, they don't get drugged back in the office because of a failure of one person? So I think it's really interesting thinking that through. There's, there's different ways. I got to get more specifics on it, but I thought that was a, a real interesting approach. And interesting, not in a negative sense. I mean, uh, a cool way to approach it. I think we have to be monitoring performance because, and then there has to be certain standards. Uh, you know, what is the, the kids aren't there. They're, they're distracting and taking away perform, for, from performance. So just a little bit. Alice, before we move on to Alan, any thoughts as you wrap the, up your segment on what we've said? I, I agree with that logic, you know, that it is a joint responsibility and especially individuals who are new to working from home, they may not have that self-discipline. As you said, they may need some help in getting their home environment set up where it's possible. And in some cases, it's just not possible through no fault of their own. You know, if they have a small home with lots of people and lots of activity, right. uh, it can be really difficult for even the best partner to work from home. Um, so I agree. I, I think it's a, a great philosophy to hold joint, them jointly responsible for the success. Yeah, I think it's um... – really interesting I, I like that i like that approach i think it's a lot of thought it's going to go into that we had someone uh talk about uh one particular company set up a series of videos these are the requirements to be able to work from home here's the requirements you have to have a, a room that you can go into they have quietness that there's boundaries for kids how do you handle this i mean lots of coaching around that and and uh no, rather than the legalistic approach so good stuff we need to get into that but we've got yeah. you know our guest, brilliant people. Let's see if she has any thoughts on, Whitney has any thoughts on that when we get into the hot topics segment, Alice. So good stuff. Alice, thanks so yep. much for being here. On a, on your, You're welcome. On your... I would just be careful on that last comment that you made. We have to be fair. You know, not everybody has the financial surroundings to right. meet some of those requirements. And so we're very cognizant to make sure our assessments of that are fair and equitable based on the uh, what's, what's really available for that partner. Yeah. That is really, really, really good. I think there's, it can't be a lot. And I don't think she had it down. I can't remember exactly what it is, but they're, they're a great company. And um, so I want to make sure that that is put in the proper lights. But I'd love to get everyone's thought. Listeners, you got anything? Send it on over. Alice, thanks for showing up on your day on, as Bill would say, and uh, being here with us. And uh, if you can stay here all the way and avoid shoveling snow a little bit, tell Andy, go do it. We'll have you on during the hot topic part. Thanks so much. Alice, appreciate it. Let's get over to Alan Pollack with the tech update. Alan, you're not shoveling snow. You're shoveling sun. What's going on in right. Jacksonville, Florida? Yes, I'm fighting the rays of the sun. So, right. <laughs> carrying an umbrella week, rather than the shovel, I know. That's right. <laughs> last week I talked about the CES show, and, you know, I, it, you know how the phones now work. You say something, and then they track you, so... After I made that comment, the phone was listening, and all these weird tech things from the CES show popped up on my phone. So I, I held on to two of them because I know you're going to like these. Um, the first one that at the CES show, and you can buy this now. It's $200. It's the Bird Buddy Feeder. 
and it's like a ring doorbell. It tracks birds, it takes pictures, and it notifies you on your phone, and you can watch birds feeding from your bird feeder live. So for the bird enthusiastic person, um, you can get the bird buddy feeder. But this one's better, David, right? We talked about the, the cows many months ago. So this one's called the Lutu Litter Box, and it tracks your cat's bathroom trips. Now, you can buy this today. I don't know the price. You can just Google the Lutu Litter Box, and it looks for irregularities and potential illnesses based on a database and the tracking methodology. I'm sorry. The type of cat and the weight and all those wonderful things. So if you, uh, if you were worried about that, uh, there's now a system for it. So let's get on to the mortgage stuff, right? Uh, quick Quick, uh, quick conversation about MLK. I think it's important to note that our industry has done a really, really good job at making sure that technology is uh, non-biased and that it leverages um, the same type of rules and information and data regardless of race, color, kind, you name it. Um, unfortunately, there's so much more for our industry to do, right? There's the expansion of credit. There's financial literacy. There's so much more. Um, talking about all types of races uh, and types of people. So, um, so we've obviously made good strides, but there's always more to do. So, um, just in, in the heart of MLK Day, I thought that would be important to mention today. The more digital we get, the less racist we get. I don't know if that rhymes, but um, they go together. So, yeah, let's talk about cool stuff. Uh, the first one, this is really cool. This is close to home. Sydney AI, it's a digital messaging platform. Now, this is, um, it's an AI messaging platform. It allows consumers to engage with different digital channels 24-7, 365. It's for, a, it's for a bank in Ireland. And what's really cool about this is it comes out of Australia, the same technology that our friends at FaceMe, if you remember, Unique, mm -hmm. came out of. Uh, yep. It seems to be a hot spot for chatbot technology. Anyways, um, they, customers can engage with mortgage, with bank accounts, with all those different things. So for the financial institutions on the phone here, if you're looking at doing a chatbot, it's not just about the mortgage lending. It's about the total customer experience. It's about answering questions 24-7, 365. You know, how do I find out about the status of a mortgage? How do I apply? Where do I find rates? Uh, where are you located, right? How do I deposit a check? All of those things can be answered 24-7, 365, and then that mm -hmm. chatbot extends itself into your mortgage lending process as you continue to yeah. mature it. So that's why it's super interesting. There's so much more in chatbots that our industry has not even uncovered yet. But it's really interesting I mention that because, get mm -hmm. this, uh, it's called, in Forbes, it's called Observations from the FinTech Snark Tank. That's S-N-A-R-K. And it says banks and credit union executives are holding a loaded gun pointed at their feet. The name of the gun is called digital transformation. Banks are deluded into believing they're digitally transforming their organizations when all they're doing is deploying new tools for yesterday's industry. And it continues to say, not surprisingly, banks who think they're only 10% or less through their digital transformation strategy have little to show for it so far and are much further away than they think. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, it, it talks about financial institutions, but the reality is, is, is that, you know, everybody is affected by that because we have the old way of doing business, which is yesterday, and we have the new way, which is today, and we continue to buy all these tools. And by the way, a lot of these tools are great friends of mine. We have fantastic tools in this industry, fantastic mm -hmm. innovation, but it's bringing them all together and creating that cohesive 
workflow-oriented ecosystem, then implementing chatbots, then doing all this other stuff. So we're much further away than we think we are. we got more work to do. Uh, David, there's also something I want to mention. It was delayed by the CFPB. I don't have the details on it. I just remembered about it. I read it earlier this week. But there was a, um, a ruling to hold off, but it was meant to allow consumers to dictate and have ownership over their data that banks and um, technology lenders store. Yeah. And so they, they pushed that off. There's more to come on that as we learn more. But uh, I just yeah. remembered about that. I wanted to make sure that I mentioned it. Yeah, for right. free with their, with their passport. Whole... passport. That, that's one of the yeah. concepts that they're, they're talking about. Yeah. That's right. Very similar to open banking. Yep. Mm-hmm. So get this, David. I know you've got – you're sitting on billions and billions of crypto. I know mm-hmm. you're watching the market. By the minute mm-hmm. as we're saying it, crypto markets could be changing. Well, now yeah. if you go to Silicon Valley, there is a two-bath, two-bedroom home that has been listed for sale in crypto cash or loan. And – What's really unique about it is that you have to liquidate it up front, but some of these, some of these people do want to buy in crypto. They've got tons and tons of crypto. I know other people myself that have bought in crypto. Um, unofficially, they've transferred the cash into U.S. dollars, but this gentleman is accepting it in crypto. So I think there's going to be a lot more to come throughout the year, but, yeah, Silicon Valley, you can now buy a house in crypto. Yeah. Let's talk about, David, a uh, vendor we all use. It is the Equifax work number. And what's really cool is they are now saying that all employees or all employers within 60 months can now pull the prior five years of employment. So you used to only be able to pull a certain amount. Now you can go five years back and get all of the data that's available, not just specific data. So fantastic that it's being expanded Lots of people do that and need it, especially for repeat business and all other types of needs. So that's really good. Uh, and then, David, the other thing is I, I, I mentioned to the audience, I promised I would talk more about uh, what happens in the event of a data breach and what happens, you know, we talked quickly about the first 24 hours. We talked about, you know, stopping the data loss, isolating where it occurred. If you have to shut a system down, do so. Mm-hmm. Some of that may apply to the lender side. I'm to the vendor side, but when you're the lender, what do you do, right? What? And so the first yeah. thing you need to do is before that data breach, you need to make sure that you have the right type of staff mm-hmm. and you have the right type of people that understand how to do this. And you have folks that you need to contact. You have to look at the state and lo- local and state regulations and federal based on the, each state is different sometimes based on the type of data that was, mm-hmm. that was exposed and how much of that data. And then in addition uh, you have to consider your systems and how many people were affected and, and how exponentially larger it can get. All of those things are usually handled internally by a chief security officer, not even just anymore as your CIO. That's your CISO. And you need to think immediately about a communication plan. You need to think about who you have to contact. Sometimes you have to contact your, your a legal company, an insurance company. And then the second thing that you sometimes have to contact is a forensic auditor. That forensic auditor you need on the phone, usually with legal, at the Mm -hmm. exact same time with your vendor because there are specific entities of data that you need to collect because certain pieces of data aren't just cut and dry as what you see. Some data tells the story around what data is there. And so that forensic auditor is somebody that understands the data. They deal with the situation every day. That's somebody that you need to employ immediately. And most insurance carriers will require 
that you hire somebody like that. There's a lot that goes into this topic. We probably could talk more about it. We did oh, yeah. mention that we'll look to bring somebody on to talk more about it, but those are the folks that you need to have. And as a vendor, that communication plan to talk to your clients, making sure that you let them know that it's happened, what you're looking at, what you know so far, and you keep a record of everything that you know, the data, the internal emails, the files, all of that is important. You will get over that data breach. It does cost a lot of money, but it could be a lot worse. You have to look at it as the glass half full and prevent mm-hmm. it from ever happening again. Great point. Good stuff, Alan. Appreciate it very much. Thinking about the cryptocurrency, I think back about something Alice talked about, I don't know, it was a month or two ago, Alice, you talked about cryptocurrency and some of the challenges that go with that as it relates to knowing that this is an asset that can go up and down in value rather rapidly if you close on it. That's right. And there's some real dynamics about the cryptocurrency markets. And especially when you look at the volatility, we're certainly seeing the volatility right now. So put that out there. I love the idea of chat box. Uh, You and I talked about this forever. I get so annoyed. If you're going to use a chat bot, have it be regionally intelligent. I was on a website of a major company. I won't say who it is. And uh, their chat bot came up and was asking one question. And I said, well, no, I'm on it. I'm thinking, well, this will be, let's see how intelligent this thing is. It went back to, sorry. Answer this question. Answer this question. I mean, it's just like you want to slap that thing into next week. It was so annoying. And then, um, and then I want to finish up. But this is a, this is my this is licking humor. And, and my wife tells me I, we just our girls in our house don't get licking humor. But I was thinking about litter box monitoring. And guess where my mind went? It went to remote employee. Um, remote employee working to what degree are we going to start monitoring our employees taking breaks that was just a, a bad spot how can we redeploy that technology and go oh, oh boy okay we're going to leave that one alone jack nunnery no more than three no more than three bathroom breaks an hour <laughs> and now we've got a litter box monitoring system we've converted to make sure of that oh that's bad anyway there's some bad stuff but jack you want to jump in on this i thought yeah, you can say that. I'm not jumping into the litter box, David. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, you know, just going back to uh, the markets. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you. I meant to go to you after that. Go yeah. there, apologize. Yeah. yeah, obviously the domestic markets shut down today, but uh, global equity markets, you know, yeah. generally uh, uh, were on uh, the rise today. Um, I, you know, I just want to remind everybody, uh, you know, Les Parker and Matt Graham have spent countless uh, amount of time telling us about volatility. Uh, you know, we're, we're in a very volatile environment right now, uh, you know, as the 10-year uh, marched up over 180 and, and has now uh, rallied back to, uh, what, 177 uh, and yep. change on the close. Um this is going to be a week uh, of um, you know uh, uh, you know of real estate releases. Uh, we've got uh, the National Home Builders uh, uh, you know confidence index on Tuesday, building permits and housing starts on Wednesday, uh, and then job uh, jobless claims and existing home sales uh, on Thursday. And, you know, one thing that I've been following, uh, you know, uh, along with Matt and uh, Les is, you know, central banks across the globe. Uh, The Central Bank of China uh, uh, lowered uh, rates uh, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, today. So 
taking kind of a contrarian position to a lot of uh, Euro central banks. China went the other direction. Um, a couple reasons for that. Uh, the impact of uh, Omicron uh, variant uh, on their economy and this ever looming uh, uh, serious concern they have with uh, Evergrande, uh, the, yeah. the property realty development company over there that, mm -hmm. you know, defaulting on debt. Uh, I just keep an eye on that. Uh, you know, that's a game changer. Uh, although, uh, you know, the Chinese government will probably do anything and everything to, uh, you know, keep that propped up because, you know, they're looking at something that will rival, uh, you know, 07, 08, 09 here domestically. They're looking at a similar situation in property valuation over in China, and it just, you know, as in our country, uh, you know, it has tentacles that will impact so many segments in China. And, and then, David, just kind of turning real quickly, you know, you mentioned uh, community when Alice uh, was talking mm -hmm. about uh, working uh, from home. I'll be very interested in, in what our special guest today has to say about, you know, how do you create and grow and enhance community in a remote workplace uh, or with a yes. remote work, David? So, uh, yeah. you know, we know that community is important. Uh, and, and, and how do you build that and, and grow that uh, when the employees are dispersed? So I'll be real interested in, in what our special guest has to say about uh, community in a remote work environment. Well, that's why they named their company Brilliant People, because they're brilliant, and we're going to be hearing all about their brilliance in just a minute. Thanks, yeah. Jack. Appreciate it. Good, good commentary on the market. Uh, I meant to go to you earlier uh, in Matt's absence, but um, glad you got that in. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Folks, that wraps up the weekly update of what's going on in the mortgage industry. Again, it's a short segment. Now we're going to head into the hot topic segment. And uh, so here's the transition. Welcome, everybody, to the Lickin' and Lendy podcast. It is the hot topic segment, and we have as our special guest, Whitney Nelson. She is the founder of and CEO of Brilliant People. And we're going to be talking about root causes of people problems within an organization as well as explaining why connection and community, the things Jack was just talking about as we wrapped up the regular segment a moment ago. And we're going to talk about that in the workplace and how important it is to achieve it. And what are some of the ways to do so? I'm really excited to have Whitney. She's a new friend. We're going to be starting to work together. She's going to be working in and through our, uh, a part of our organization, our consulting firm, Transformational Mortgage Solutions, because I think one of the biggest things we fail to transform while we're transforming technology, transforming processes, are we really transforming people? So let's get Whitney Nelson on. Whitney, good to have you joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I love the name of your company, Brilliant People. I could not name my company that. It's, I would have to say surrounded by brilliant people company. That's what I do. <laughs> I surround myself with real people. But you are, and I, I love your passion. It's one of my passions. And I think it's a, you sit and look at the, the value of any company. It goes, back when we used to work in, uh, in offices, it, you know, uh, what do they say? 80, 90% of the value of a company goes out the doors at the end of work every day. 
And um, so we got to figure out a way to do this better. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to have you share with us some of your thoughts. So, but before we go there, let's get a chance our listeners get to know you a little bit. Who are you? Where are you from? How'd you get doing this? Uh, well, I'm from Austin. I was actually born and raised here. I know that's not a very common thing these days, but I've uh, been here for a long time. Yeah, there's and so many new people moving I, in. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So many people moving in. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, I, I've been here for a long time, and um, and it's been really amazing and uh, just, yeah, nuts to see <laughs> to see the growth. Mm-hmm. So when you look yeah. at let's, – let's talk about this. One of the things we, – we went to dinner the other night, and just – you know, Alice, it's like you and I going to dinner. It's so much fun, and we have such great conversation, and we had the intent about talking about the podcast and what she's doing. And then I found out also what Whitney is passionate about, and it's really a special topic, and I want to get into that at some point in time down the road. But it's a, it, it, yeah. you're a delightful human being who is trying to make a difference in the world in so many areas. But let's start with what we could do in the workplace. So uh, first question is, what is the root cause for people problems within an organization? What are you seeing as the root cause? Well, <laughs> we like to sum that up by saying people differences trigger people problems. People differences. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a pretty simple statement, but when you think about it, it, it really does, it really does come down to that in a, in a lot of situations, a lot of the problems that we're seeing, that's the bottom line is that there's something, some way someone's showing up, some way that they're talking to others. That's, that's the problem is the other side's not understanding it. That is, that's such a true. And there's many factors that go into that. Let's get over to Jack. Mm-hmm. You were talking Jack about connection and community. Well, so we'll let you go there with that. <laughs> well, you know, David uh, and, and Whitney, um, you know, the root cause of people problems in an organization Um uh, you know, I've always felt that, you know, the organization expects a commitment from their people, but very yeah. seldom do they return that commitment. Do they make a commitment to the people, right? I mean, educate me, help me grow. Um, you know, no, the company just wants you to do your job. Um, you know, so so I look at people and the organization, it's got to be a two-way street, doesn't it? It does. It really does. And I think that that's one of the problems that I think um, happens a lot. You know, we, we've all heard this, that we, we've got issues with management, managers, people that are being moved up into a management position because they were an amazing individual contributor. And and so they move them up into, an, uh, you know, having the ability to manage other people, but they've, they've never managed anybody else necessarily successfully they've managed themselves and so to your point the the organizations that are doing that aren't it's almost like they're setting them up for failure instead of supporting them through the process and making sure that they've been developed to a place where they can get up into that position and then successfully lead not only themselves but also a team yeah Uh, leading a team there's there all the various things that go into that and and but and there's no one better to talk about that, and then Alice, who does a lot of training on all of that topic. So Alice, going to you. 
Alice, Alice, I think your mic might be muted on your end. Yep. Sorry about that, Dave. Yes, I agree with you, Whitney. Uh, we we offer uh, we have a mandatory team leadership training for that exact reason. We have team leadership community. We have future leaders. We have multiple leadership uh, community uh, trainings that we're we feel because we recognize that need that you know not everyone's cut out for that. So I have a question for you. You know that that's a whole lot of different personalities. You know, is there yeah. One personality in the workplace that you find is better than another for, um, you know, for this kind of growth? No. I, personally, I really believe that we need them all. Um, you know, if I use myself as an example, I've got a pretty strong, uh, very strong personality. I can come across, you know, um, very passionate about whatever it is I'm passionate about. And I might completely blow somebody out of the water who is a more reserved person or someone who maybe needs to process a little longer when we're sitting in a meeting and I'm throwing out ideas. And so to me, I feel like when we can, when we can um, help people understand, you know, who you are in the mix, who other people are personality wise and how people perceive us, then we start to understand what our strengths are and what our challenges are. And then we can figure out where the gaps are. And then we really start to be able to dig into um, how you might be able to fill a gap in an area that I, I just don't, don't have the knack for. So for me, I, I really don't feel like there's one type of personality that's the best in every situation. I think that we really need them all. Well, the person, the multiple personality, I mean, <laughs> that sounded bad. Some multiple personality types. I mean, that's, 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 there's the various, like there's the sanguine, there's the phlegmatic, there's the choleric, and there's the melancholic. We talked about this at dinner briefly because it's one of my passions is to learn how we communicate with each other and the various differences of how we're wired. So a sanguine, which I am. And uh, I thought you were for sure, Whitney, when, you, when I first met you, because you're so outgoing. We found out that that is uh, uh, good. It's, it's such a good point. But I, I think that when we look at the personality types, it's, it's really, really a point. Um, Jack wants to go back to the question number two. Uh, let's go there real quickly. Jack, go ahead and jump on that. Well, uh, Whitney, uh, in the uh, uh, Hot Topics segment, we talked about working from home. Uh, and I posed a question about uh, creating, you know, that that uh, culture of community and the challenges that a remote workforce, you know, gives to that effort to create the the community that we all want to. I mean, how do you see that and then contrast that to creating community when everybody is in the uh, workplace? Uh, are the two going to be different approaches to achieve uh, the level of, of community that we want? You know, I mean, it's such a tough, it's such a hard question right now, just with the way that, you know, work is going and, and um, the, the remote work and hybrid uh, structures. But I really think that, I mean, yes, it's harder to connect with somebody through a Zoom conference versus being in person with them, but that's what we've got to work with right now. And so I think that I loved the conversation earlier about having the mentor programs for new employees. 
and uh, just onboarding, you know, people into the mix. And personally speaking, I think that that's such a great opportunity for anyone, whether they're a brand-new employee, never been in the workforce, or just a new employee to the organization, is um, creating mentor programs, uh, you know, with someone who's been there for a lot longer that can kind of show them the ropes. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, there's this idea, and there's been a lot of research behind this, this, the importance of a sense of belonging, and, you know, speaking of it being Martin Luther King Day, and, and uh, we were talking earlier about the um, about Simon Sinek's um, thoughts oh, on the I Have a Dream. Yes. And he talked about how, you know, as human beings, like, we are tribal animals, and one of the things that ensures success of the tribe is that sense of belonging. And so there's been a lot of research done around that and how when there is a sense of belonging, you know, it's like 56% increase in job performance, um, 75% decrease in employee sick days, which is huge. And so for me, it is harder to create that sense of belonging when you're remote, but I think it can still be done. And it could be little things. It could be things that have to do with making sure everybody has a voice. You know, if you've got, if you're having, um, if decisions are being made and it's a decision where you can allow people to weigh in, you'll get their buy-in, even if it's not the decision they would have made because they had a voice in that discussion. And I think that's what we have to Yeah, there's the importance of having people feel heard, listened to. Yeah. Not just, not just that, wah, wah, wah. But I mean, like coming back and it's called a tuning. It's tiny tuning in to what someone's saying, which oftentimes requires us to repeat back to them. What I thought I heard you say, Whitney, is this, am I correct? That just goes another step. And I wonder how many of us really do that and do that well. And it does create connection and improves community. Thoughts? Well, and when you think, when you think, I totally agree. And when you think about how we've gone so digital and, and we need to on a lot of levels, but there's mm-hmm. so many, you know, surveys that companies are sending out to their people now and they're all digital. So they're kind of have, they're kind of getting a voice, you know, they're, they're kind of putting their, their, um, their thoughts in the mix, but when you can do a one-on-one with someone and yes, it takes extra time to do that, but when you can actually have a human to human conversation around the answers they're giving in those surveys, I think that goes a long way as well. That's a good point. And getting back to the four personality types or the various types of personalities, um, I think that's just such an important part of learning how to communicate. So, Alan, your thoughts on communication. You're a good communicator, Alan. I know you care about your people. You're always very respectful and all that. But what's your thoughts? Questions? Oh, yeah, I always, I always try my best. But there are a lot of personalities. And I think when you work over Zoom and, you know, systems like Slack and Microsoft Teams, the true voice of your question or of the communication is lacking. And so Mm -hmm. people get easily frustrated. I've had a number of calls with employees where um, they misunderstood something or they didn't didn't understand the tone of how somebody was asking or talking to them. So that's a common thing that happens. And I'm wondering if, you know, what your thoughts are around that. I mean, there's clearly um, going digital is not the easiest thing, especially when it comes to, someone's um, expectation of, of doing a good job or not or how they're collaborating. Yeah, it, it's interesting because my, my sort of origin story for why I launched Brilliant People in the first place was that I used to, uh, I used to have a manager who, in essence, I was a remote employee years ago, and um, my manager was in Colorado, and the company I worked for was in California. 
so all of my conversations with this manager were over the phone. And she would, I had worked for her for five years and she was the kind of person that, you know, really good at her job. And I had a lot of respect for her uh, at her level, but she would say things like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just never going to get that. You're not wired that way. And yeah. I'm a yeah. really, I'm a really hard worker. I'm a really hard charging worker. And so it just, for after five years of having someone talk to me like that, it, mm-hmm. it just crushed me, you know? And so I think what, that's where that whole communication piece becomes so important is people don't realize how they don't understand how the other side is perceiving them. So I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get fired for five years. I kept thinking I'm going to get fired. And I finally realized, like, how, you know, how do I bring a different person to the table that connects with her on the level she needs, not the level that I'm used to, not in the way I'm used to showing up. And when I started digging into personalities, that was the impetus for me. I started digging into personalities. I realized how she needed me to show up, how she needed me to talk to her, and based on her personality style. And it completely transformed our relationship over the next two years. So I think communication is huge. And I, I think that's something that most of us, you know, again, if I could use myself and I throw myself on the fire all the time, because I can come across so forcefully sometimes, um, I really try to be careful of watching. I like to watch, you know, body language and see people's facial expressions to know if I've said something that didn't come across right. Well, that's really hard to do when you're on Zoom. But I, I think it, it's important. It, yeah, it, but there are clues there. There are clues that you can pick up while they may be more subtle and more intentionality has to go into that. Uh, there are clues you can pick up, certainly. And even yep. even in text a little bit, I mean, texting is real. That's, I mean, text is really good for getting quick responses, a quick word out, you know, to someone. But text messaging can be just such a such a challenge. And it comes back to communication is really knowing your audience. And I, you and I talked a lot about, again, about the four personality types and all that, which a lot of it, which I want to just touch on this because I read you as a very outgoing, extroverted person. And you're and you said, actually, I'm not. Talk about that. And and how is it that someone can project themselves as one way? We can pick it up, and therefore we may get a communication style going, when it yeah. actually may not be appropriate, or maybe not be the best communication. Appropriate is not the right word. But it may not be the most effective with that individual. Talk about that. Well, yeah, I think that that's a really, that's a hard one. And I'm an interesting, not that I'm the only person out there like this. So I have been told for those of you that weren't in that conversation, I've been told I'm an introvert with social skills. (laughs) And so, um, so I am, I tend to be, I'm, you know, I can walk into a a meeting or a party or whatever and be perfectly at home. um, If I've set the intention, you know, I'm here Mm -hmm. for this reason, I'm going to meet some people. And so most people that, yeah, most people that meet me just think, wow, you're really outgoing and you got a lot to say. I got a lot of words. And um, but I think that it's a learned behavior for me. My family is a very big, loud, loving family. And so I think, um, you know, it's a learned behavior. But but I need to in order to uh, what do you call it? Rejuvenate in order to get energy back. I be by myself and be in silence. And so when I go out and facilitate for an organization, as an example, I'm so excited to be there. Be there. I'm so excited to meet people. I'm excited to see the aha moments that they have when we're in this discussion. 
but it is exhausting. So when I leave and I go home, like sometimes on the drive home, I can barely keep my eyes open because it's so exhausting for me to like lay mm. it all out on the table. Yeah. But that's a really in good... regards to, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. In regards to how you might miss, you know, you might not be able to um, peg somebody for who they are in the way that they're showing up. I mean, I feel like on, I feel like where that's concerned, like I'm, I'm showing up in a, in a happy and excited way because I'm genuinely interested in the conversation mm-hmm. we're having. And I think it's okay for you to show up that way as well, because you're, you're mirroring how I'm showing up. Right. And I think that's the main thing that you really pay attention to the audience in the moment that you're with them. I think you hit on something that is such a good point and really gets into emotional intelligence <clears throat> is when someone is exhausted after what you thought was they just crush it watching you and so watching you and perform, you would think, man, this is must be giving you life. And it's not the case. And I think that is such an important thing to make sure people get in the proper roles. It's not to say like, like yourself, you've overcome the, the, um, introverted side of you to project because you're so passionate about what you do. So their motivation there to cause someone to overcome that for the cause that they believe in and, and really speak out about it. Be interesting to know if Martin Luther King, seeing this, this is Martin Luther King day, if he was an introvert or an extrovert, he certainly was a good communicator, especially when it came to that. But I suspect he might have been more of an introvert uh, even though, but he has passion for his cause civil rights, which was yeah. such an important one, is what it drove him out there and put him out there in front. So I, it's just really interesting. But, you know, how does emotional intelligence play into all of this? Well, I think that it's a really good, it's a really good question because basically in any given situation, there are going to be emotional and interpersonal needs that we just, we have to be able to respond to accordingly. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, where, where I might be able to show up in a certain way on a given day, you know, I'm having a great day, whatever it is. But the next day, maybe something, you know, something's really, something really heavy is going on and I'm showing up in a much, you know, way lower energy. I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that the the people that I'm connecting with, the people that I'm working with day to day are going to be able to read that. And that's not always going to be the case. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we just are training sometimes about the fact that, um, you know, you, we're not mind readers. Mm-hmm. And so you, you can't expect that somebody's going to be able to um, recognize where, you know, the, your facial expressions for that given day. But I think that the idea is we have to learn where emotional intelligence is concerned. We have to learn how to sort of stretch across the map. If right. you think about the four, four basic personalities, um, you know, you have to be able to stretch across the map into uh, the other personalities comfort zone, if you will. And that, and that's where your energy, you know, that's where you get Mm -hmm. drained because it's more of a stretch, but for us to be able to have these great relationships and be able to connect with all types, we have to learn how to do that. We have to figure out what it is for those other personalities um, that they need in a given situation. And so when we're working with them, we're able to stretch into that other area. That's what they need. That's so good. Yeah, it does. I got a question in from one of our listeners that just got popped in, which is really good. It happens to be a client of mine, and I'm always talking with them. We, in fact, we were just talking about find the people, and you know, it came, it's based on the book Good to Great, where James Collins and yeah. 
uh, what's the other author on that? Doesn't matter. Uh, says, you know, get the right people on the bus, right people on the bus, and right people off the wrong people off the bus, and get the right people in the right seats. Which goes to the point of this: if you're asking someone to do something that causes them to go home at the end of the day exhausted, are they in the yeah. right place? And should we encourage that, or should we refocus them? And then and I want to get your response, and then I want to get uh, – let's get around to Alice, Jack, and Alan to get their thoughts on it. Because this is one of the key things is getting the right people on the bus in the right seat. There's some people who go, no, I know this is difficult for me, but I'm so passionate I want to do it. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, I would – it's interesting. Patrick Lencioni, um, who wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, has a lot of work that he's done around the um, – uh, the geniuses, like our, our working right. genius. And yes. I think that that's a really key point to, to consider is, is this thing that I'm having to do, is it draining me or is it giving me energy? And I think that all of us have areas of our work that are going to drain us. And, and we can't, we don't necessarily have the, um, what do you call it? We, we don't have the ability to just say, hey, I'm not going to do that thing. Yeah, exactly right. It's just a part of the job. Right. To your point of when when you're a manager or when you're the owner and you're trying to figure out, is that the right person for this job? It's definitely something to consider is what's their zone of genius and and are they the right person? So it's a a consideration that needs to be had. Um, You know, if you're a small company, you may not have the luxury of pulling somebody off a job that isn't their genius. But, um, you know, if you, if you pay attention to that, you can start guiding them in the direction where they're really going to get a lot more joy out of the work that they're doing. And you're going to yeah. get a lot more from that. You get a lot more performance or you get the, the more desired result. Alice, when you're training people looking at, that, I mean, what, do you see square pegs going into a round hole? I mean, I talk about people, what about that? I mean, someone that's in a job and it just sucks the life out of them. What's your thoughts on this important topic? Yeah, we we do a lot up front to make sure we don't have that happen. Uh, so we rely very heavily on the on the disk assessment mm-hmm. and a really thorough interview process. But as you know, anything can happen once somebody comes on board and and maybe the job evolves into something that they weren't really cut out for. Um, so what we do is we spend a lot of time talking to that person and looking at their motivators, looking at their skills and really trying to see if there is another fit for that person. But asking a lot of really hard questions, because you have to get to the bottom of is that, do they still really want to work there and can they be successful? I don't want to just move somebody out and move them to another role to have them still not be successful. Uh, you know, So is that success something that can be, even be found in the mm-hmm. mortgage space? Because we are unique. We're always changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, things mm-hmm. can happen at any time. And so for someone who likes a lot of stability, uh, it may be coaching them into, you know, maybe they're just not even in the right career. Yeah. That's so, uh, we are unique. It's a unique industry. Jack, your thoughts. David, you know, before, and I think Alice touched on it, but I'll expand. Before you can make that assessment, you have to know the people, right? I mean, when I managed people, uh, I did what I call waltzing Matilda every day. And what that means to me is is that for an hour a day, and I know we're all busy, but we're never too busy to connect with our our team and, and get to know them and what motivates them, right? But I would walk 
my floors an hour every day. And I would talk to the people. I would ask them how it's going. Are we doing this right? Can we do it better? And I'll tell you, David, when you go to the airport and you get on an airplane, would you get on an airplane and you didn't know where it was going? Of course not, David. I mean, you know, you're leaving Austin and you're headed to Phoenix, right? But no one gets on an airplane and it's leaving Austin and you don't know where it's going, right? So you, you as a leader in an organization have right. to communicate the vision, the strategy, what are we doing, why is it important, you know, what it's going to take for us to be successful as a team, and what that means to everybody on the team that we achieve our success. And, and so, okay. you know, my message, you know, would be get up out of your chair. Go get to know your staff. Know them mm-hmm as personal as they feel comfortable letting you know them. And it helps you understand what is their strengths, what is their weaknesses, and, and helping them find the best seat for them on the bus. Yeah, I, I love Whitney. What's your thoughts on that? We've got to wrap this up here in just a minute. But I want your thoughts on that. I'm going to come over to you, Alan, uh, on this point, because I think it's, it's really such an important one. Yeah, no, I, I would totally agree with that. Said. I mean, I, I absolutely think that you need to spend time to get to know you. That is hugely important because, again, it goes back to that sense of belonging, and they feel like they matter, right? They're not just mm-hmm. a cog in the machine. Right. So, absolutely. Right. Yeah, but how do you do it? Your- but doing oh, it in a virtual work, work environment, I think Jack was talking about, uh, I mean, Jack, you did this when you were in a virtual world for a lot of, but, but how is that more success? How is that successfully done? Your examples that you've seen, uh, Whitney, where this being done in a virtual world, where you're getting around, instead of walking the floor, are you getting on a lot of phone calls? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to get on the phone and get on the yeah. phone or get on the Zoom and, and just make the effort to show people that you actually care. I think that we've gotten to such a place with, uh, you know, a lot of these Zoom calls, even when companies are having meetings, people's videos are off. Yeah. That's one requirement. Yeah, that's one requirement that is uh, a requirement of one of our clients. They went in and said, hey, there will be, your camera will be on or you will not be on this call. And I think that, you know, unless there's an extenuating circumstance, you've got a black eye or some physical issue going on that makes that unpleasant, but. But so yeah, anyway, you know, so I, the, a lot of typing in the background. Whoever's typing, that's uh, uh, yeah, I don't know who that's doing that, but I, I'm hearing that pretty loud and clear. But your mic's picking that up. So um, let's get over to Alan as we wrap this up. Alan, the only thing I, I really would would say, yeah, the the only thing I would really say is just it's difficult to manage people um, when you're not in person with this new digital world. So, like you said earlier, understanding you know what someone maybe needs from you. Uh, is really important in trying to sit back and think about that. The same type of tone and message doesn't apply to everybody, which is which is really unique and difficult to to do. Yep, so true. Uh, if you want to get to know Whitney better, you can go onto our website, look at on lending. Or how would you recommend uh, Whitney for people to connect with you? Uh, they can go to our website at mybrilliantpeople.com. Mybrilliantpeople.com. Good. And then there's yes. ways to link and get into getting to know you. And also, we're going to have you on our website because we're partnering together. I'm really excited about this. This is one of those topics that 
I have such a passion for Marcus Lemonis. Marcus Lemonis says, and the prophet, uh, which is one of my favorite CNBC uh, shows, is he says it's people, process, and product. People being the most important one and also the most challenging. So if you're listening to this, folks, and you're getting something out of this, listeners, please get a hold of Whitney and uh, find out how she can at least have a conversation with her. She'll give you some great tools. It, you'll, you'll, you'll not be disappointed. Alice, Alan, Jack, thanks so much for joining us on the interview today and appreciate it very much. And Whitney, so great to have you as a guest. Look forward to having you back. Thank you so much. Folks, that wraps up this Hot Topics segment, and we're so grateful to have you as our listeners. Next week, we're going to have Kathleen of Simple Nexus. She's the new CEO doing a great job. If you've been following Simple Nexus, it's really interesting to hear how I mean, they acquired LBA where Lori's company, a good friend, Lori uh, Brewer, and then they got acquired. Simple Nexus got acquired like almost like the week that the week after. It's just so much going on in the M&A space. So I'm looking forward to having Kathleen on. I'm really wanting to draw or focus in on her leadership. And when I sat at an open house. Uh, she was at an open house. I went to the Simple Nexus open house and got a chance to meet her. David Bolin introduced us, and we started talking. But I was so impressed as I was waiting my turn to go talk to her, how many employees, uh, her ex-employees that she used to work at, came up and talked to her and say how much we miss your leadership. So you're going to want to tune in next week as we're going to be talking to Kathleen. She does a great job. And um, I think you're going to be hearing a lot more from Simple Nexus. We're getting them as a sponsor. So very excited about that. A special thank you to our current sponsors, Finastra, Lenders One, Accelerate Mobility, MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, the Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDoc Success Kit, and Lender Toolkit. Appreciate it, folks, being here. Have a great week. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.